I am not a snitch. Shalette is a bit of a snitch. I mean, you are such a oh gossip. You are no such a gossip. Snitch. I'm no snitch. Oh now, I will receive and retrieve information, oh, but okay. I'm no snitch. The amount of <laughs> gossip that you will revel in, love in. I love it. I love it. I'm in Houston visiting family and friends, and one of my old co-workers um, was absent from the anchor desk and and is somebody that I I did not care for very much. May I just say that? Wait, you had an opinion about someone. Yes, mm. yes. It's ve- it's very rare Whoa. that I don't like certain people. Um, I'm I'm a very loving person. Oh, okay. Um, and and I love everyone. You know, love oh, sure. is how I lead yeah. in the world. Yes. And so uh, this guy was not on the news, and I was like, well, where is he? You know, it's it's custom to customary for you know your main anchors to be off, but you know they usually come back and they maybe take off you know for New Year's. But this guy was absent, and so my dad was like, yeah, he's been out for a while. So come to find out, um, he has been gone for several months. So right now I'm looking for the tea to find out what happened to this Houston news anchor. So as soon as I find out about it, of course I'm gonna put it on social media. But uh, you know, but I'm not. That's that's not. For me, that that's not gossiping. Again, that's receiving, oh, yeah. retrieving, and <clears throat> disseminating information. Very important information <clears throat> that um, other people would also like to know. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, let's let's first of all say we hope it's nothing serious. Second of all, let's oh, no, admit I, I heard it's tea. It's, I heard it's tea. I heard it's tea. Yeah, 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 it's tea. yeah. It's tea. You just want it to be <laughs> just juicy, just titillating. You know, yeah, yeah, I just, mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, speaking of juicy, <laughs> let's get to this right at the start. I saw this a couple days ago, but I mm-hmm. saved it. I embargoed it for you. Okay, Michelle Obama says this about her husband. I believe his name is Barack Obama. <laughs> People think I'm being catty by saying this. It's like there were 10 years where I couldn't stand my husband. And guess when it happened? When those kids were little. I think she then goes on to call the kids terrorists. And let's be honest, I agree. I mean, kids at times absolutely <laughs> can be terrorists. I mean, you're like, honestly, do I need to send you to Gitmo just for a little bit? But what about that? Ten years? Want to know part of Barack? Now, of course, as Dave pointed out yesterday, we were talking about this off-air. Sean Hannity had to then tweet out, well, guess what? We couldn't stand him for eight years, you know, to go with the uh, <laughs> going with the politics. Of course he All did. Right, so what about your, your gal pal, Michelle Obama, and some honesty here? Okay, can I just say she is about as free as she has ever been. That's true. Um, I agree. She is so free. I mean, if you look at her hairstyle, uh, you know, the yep, way she right. is moving in certain circles, her outfits. I mean, she is free. And people say, oh, my gosh, she she's totally um, run for office. I was like, she is not going to run for office because she is too free right now um, to do what she wants and say what she wants and, and, you know, express herself in a way that is authentic and natural for her. She would have never had micro braids while she was first lady. She is rocking micro braids. OK, well, she I mean, said that about as black as you can be. That's just about as black girl as you can be. She she flat out said the American public wouldn't reacted. Um, I'm trying to remember how she phrased it, but basically it was, I couldn't have worn this while I was in the White House. Mm-mm. 
No way. That would have been too Afrocentric. Um, she would have been labeled a terrorist herself. You know, I mean, she couldn't even fist bump her husband at one time That's without, right. you know, being yes. a threat to American. She was uh, a you know, never mind climbing, right. climbing the wall and putting your feet up on the speaker of the house desk and trying to overthrow yeah. uh, uh, an election. She was a ter- She was a potential threat to American democracy because she fist bumped her husband. Now, listen, let me just tell you, she has not said anything that a lot of women have not thought. Um, because when you and, and I saw the uh, the entirety of the video because it was um, geared toward African-American women and mothers. So it was Michelle Obama and Kelly Rowland and Tina Knowles and mm-hmm. some other yep, right. black women. And they had kind of like an open panel form discussion where they were speaking freely about being wives and moms. On Re- and Revolt TV, Revolt if people want to find TV. it. Yep. Yeah, Revolt TV. And it's, it's online. It's on YouTube. Yep. Um, but, but she, you know, she was talking about how, you know, when it was just her and Barack and they were making their moves and doing stuff in their careers and doing their thing and everything was great. And he would go off and play golf for hours and go on golf trips to different states, you know, kind of like how you do. Um, And then, you know, she'd be like, cool, I'm here by myself. I got the house to myself. But then they had babies. And he was like, yeah, I'm going on this golf trip. She was like, for what? And for how long? And are you kidding me? Uh, You know, and and, and it was really a a story about um, and and shining a spotlight on, you know, household duties and equity when it comes to parenting. And there's no equity. You know, somebody's going to be the heavy lifter and somebody's going to be pulling up the rear. And, you know, he he was still doing his golfing thing and and didn't really understand, you know, kind of what she was going through as a new mother. Um, with these babies at home and you know life before the kids and y'all know this is very different than life after those little terrorists come Um, because you know for like the first year they're like your sweet little baby and then they walk and then they talk and then they start talking back and you're like you know what i'm gonna drop you off at the fire station what's the time limit on being able to drop a child off at the fire station without going to jail are they receiving eight-year-olds over here because uh this one has to go back yeah it's so true to you that is true (laughs) it is i mean there's so many couples i think back to when our kids were that age or even now where they're like i'm so excited when little Timmy is going to start walking or Sarah is going to start talking, I'm like, nah, nah, this thing when they're uh, they're in the crib all the time and sleeping, really enjoy that. Like, really, Please, really enjoy that. I will go back to Pampers and Pacifiers in a minute um, so that I don't have to deal with negotiating with an eight-year-old about where we're going to have lunch and what we're going to do for the day and being held accountable by a 10-year-old. Because I said a cuss word. You know, I, I really don't want to um, be bothered with all of that. Um, so, yeah, I, I'll go back to Pampers and Pacifiers any day. But I'm telling you, she was not saying anything that we have not all thought. And the fact that they made it through those 10 years is a testament. Because, you know, you, me and you both, we ain't make it. You know, nope. I didn't make it. I got the year 15. And Sean looked at me and was like, you know what? I am the heavy lifter. I'm going to call it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let, let's let's circle back to what you said about politics because this comes up, and and now that we're about to turn twenty twenty three, and there's this idea that Joe Biden and uh, Jill Biden and the entire family think they're in where are they in the Virgin Islands or somewhere beautiful, right? And he's going to come out and he's going to make a decision. I'm I would bet a lot of money that Joe Biden's going to run again, right? I mean he mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. wanted to be president 
for the last 30 years. He is. He feels like he's still sharp. I hope he doesn't run. Let me be honest. I will be honest. I, I, I want someone else to be in that position. But if this delays, you're going to hear the talk of Michelle Obama again, that she would be the ideal candidate, that if it's up against Ron DeSantis or somebody else, that she'd be the perfect candidate. I believe her. When she says in these interviews, I have absolutely positively no interest in politics. I've never showed interest in politics. I don't see why now when their life is so great and they can, they can live the way they want to, that she's going to jump back into this, jump into this meat grinder that she was a part of with her husband, but now in a completely different way where she's in the, the cauldron itself. No, she's moving in, in free lanes. She's doing what she wants to do, when she wants to do it, how she wants to do it. She's expressing herself. You know, when people run for office, they get um, very measured and they're very careful. Mm-hmm. And they they stay in the middle because they don't want to offend one group or the other. They have a certain look. And, and we know those people, Outside of maybe the 45th like, oh president. The 45th right, president right, really wasn't much measure. Yeah. yeah, except for that dude. Yeah. But, you know, most most people, um, you can tell, oh, he's running for office. Oh, look, he's changed up his social media profile. Oh, look, she's got some plastic surgery. She's wearing red pants mm-hmm. all the time. This chick got micro braids, long eyelashes, and round-the-way girl bamboo earrings, at least two pair. She is not thinking about <laughs> politics. She is living her life, and she is just about as free as she can be. I, 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 don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. I believe her. You know, because she didn't even want Barack to run for office. No. Nope. You know, so mm-hmm. so she didn't want any parts of it. I mean, you know, she went ahead and supported her boo, which is what you do. But, but I, I think that when he was done, and they went back to the house that she was glad to be done with politics. I'm going to let you go since you're in Houston. We'll just do one segment. Enjoy okay, your time. Okay. You know, uh, have a phenomenal new year. Uh, only the best to the family. Thank you. But I got to tell you something real quick. Yeah. Did you know before you go that 2022, God came through for me. I mean, I have to say the things that God did for me in 2022, most of half of that stuff doesn't happen in a normal lifetime. Um, You know, all the things that happened for my kids and our family were just amazing. And I got a call this week that my son Brandon's story and his book wound up on the Today Show's most inspiring stories of 2022. I saw that. How about that? that? That's How fabulous. About that? How about that? That is great. You've had a you've had a <laughs> fabulous year. I, w- I wish only uh, an even better year in twenty twenty three. Bless you. I love you. Love your guy who's over there pressing the buttons on the board. Who gave eh. me a call and your families. Um, God bless the listeners. It it you know more more great things to come for all of us in just a few days when the new year comes. Thank you, Shaletta. All right. Why am I turning my mic off? I have no idea why I'm doing that. It was like I was putting it on a hold, and I never put it on hold. <laughs> no, that's not your job. No. That's the job for, as she said, the guy who pushes the buttons. The button pusher. I don't even get a name. I'm just Yeah, button pusher. Button guy. New Year's Eve TV. What do you like? What do you want? Are you paying attention? And why CNN is making an enormous mistake. Let's talk about that when we come back. Uh, the mayor of Minneapolis, Jacob Fry, in less than 10 minutes. We're having a few couples over, so we're not going to watch a lot of TV, I don't think. I have the last few years, the last two years, watched a fair amount of TV. 
and I've loved the CNN byplay. Nothing to do with politics. Zero. They don't really talk politics. It's Andy Cohn, who's such a great entertainer, with his great friend Anderson Cooper. And they're getting schnockered right there on international television. <laughs> and, and Andy Cohen is making fun of Ryan Seacrest, who I think should be made fun of all the time. He kind of annoys me, even though he's amazingly successful. Like Amazingly successful and in no way over-the-top annoying. He's just boring old Ryan Seacrest. I know. It happens to be everywhere. Yes. Maybe that's what, that, that's what I think annoys that's you, it. that there's no edge there. Yeah, there's nothing. Just, and bravo to a remarkable career. And he's still, I don't know, what's Ryan Seacrest? Early 40s? Mid 40s? Well, I would bet mid 40s. Mid 40s? But Andy Cohn, because they're, they're right next to each other, and Anderson Cooper and his goofy little giggle. And Cohn is the star. 48 for Seacrest. 48, looking great, by the wow. way, Ryan Seacrest. Cone carries it. Yes. 95% of it is good because of Andy Cone. And then, and also how he's needling Anderson and the different guests they had. And then later they go to Randy Kay and she's hammered and Don Lemon, he's hammered. And I'm amused. And now Chris Licht, the new guy who's in charge of CNN, good luck. Nope. We're not going to get schnockered this year. They might have some, but not going to get drunk right there on TV. Bad mistake, CNN. Stop, yeah. stop it, CNN. It's it. This isn't a, a, a morality judgment about. I can't watch CNN cover Ukraine or you know we're going to talk homelessness and encampments with Fry or you know. Politics because Anderson Cooper got drunk on New Year's Eve. Who cares? Have some fun. I think people know what they're tuning in for, right? That's it. They're not tuning in for Anderson Cooper's news report. They're tuning in for some alcohol-induced fun on New Year's Eve. Let's go. And it used to be that way when it was Kathy Griffin. Mm -hmm. And then Kathy Griffin did the head thing of Donald, and and she was out. So will you be clicking? We'll be at a gathering that's, you know, the kids will be there, too. So we'll maybe do a little clicking there, I guess. Yep. We'll happen to see. But we'll probably get home. And, you know, at that point, once you get the kids to bed and you fight that fight, I don't know if I'll make it till midnight or not. Maybe turn on Rockin' New Year's Eve for the last half yeah, hour before right. the ball drops. I don't know. I thought you were like you were Carter. I mean, he's basically in bed by 7. I won't make it that far. But yeah. the, the kids' ball mm. drop, you know, you can find them on YouTube or Netflix. Yes. Oh, yeah. We'll have that going at 9 o'clock until that's the rule. Right. And, you know, you can pretend, hey, we made it. Now get in the car. We're going home. <laughs> and, so lying to your kids. Yes. Which is, yeah. It's 100% the opposite. You do have a great musical smorgasbord on, on various networks. Sure. And half the time it's Mariah Carey just not even trying to lip sync. <laughs> yes. Not even trying. The others at least are trying Mariah must have a place like two blocks. She rolls in, puts on the red velvet, whatever. Yeah. I'm here. Isn't that good enough? I'm here. Doesn't even try. And then, boom, she's there. The Mayor of Minneapolis, Jacob Fry, coming up in minutes on CCO. Well, our timing's good. We spent a fair amount of time talking about uh, a homeless camp near the uh, Quarry Shopping Center yesterday with an excellent guests and a lot of feedback from you. Today, earlier in the morning, Minneapolis crews, as I read from a Star Tribune story, cleared this uh, homeless camp 
The site had as many as 25 occupants at times. Officials who work with the homeless have said there were six there when when crews arrived Friday morning. Remember, earlier in the week, there was talk of this taking place on Wednesday, and there was some concern from the city about potential violence. Those who spoke on the other side said, no, absolutely, they did not think there would be any violence in any way. So why was this the right decision today? And where are we headed in this upcoming year for the homeless and encampments in the city of Minneapolis? The person who knows this best is the mayor of Minneapolis, Jacob Fry, and he's kind enough to join us on the city's on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Hello, sir. Happy New Year to you and your family. Uh, why was today the day to do this? Happy New Year, Chad. Well, first, the day to do it was not uh, two days ago on Wednesday because we had very clear information uh, and intelligence that there were a number of individuals that were not homeless individuals, but others that were looking to uh, get in some form of tussle with our uh, public work staff, uh, our police officers, uh, and we wanted to de-escalate the situation. The, the people that we are looking out for here are those that are experiencing homelessness. Uh, we want to make sure that they're safe, that they're warm, especially through this winter, uh, and that's why we gave them every single opportunity, including providing transportation over to shelter, uh, the shelter system, uh, to make sure that they have a space. We provide them a location where they could put uh, their, their things and their belongings uh, so that they would be able to access them even after the encampment was cleared. Uh, you know, encampments are just not the right route. Uh, if you want to transition people into long-term and stable housing, and, and clearly that needs to be the end goal, we have a much higher success rate doing that through individuals that have already been in our shelter system or in a model like Avivo, uh, where people have their own space, than we do at encampments. Uh, and so this was the right thing to do. It was the right thing to close down the encampment today. And I really appreciate all of our staff who have been out there repeatedly to provide services, outreach, and have provided a, a really uh, compassionate approach that I think is necessary. And speaking of Avivo, one of the guests we talked to yesterday on the show, if people want to podcast that, it's available, Emily Bastian from Avivo. Do you have right now from what you know concerning the amount of homelessness and those individuals who fall into that category in the city of Minneapolis, do you have enough locations for those individuals to go at this time if they're willing to go? At this time, yes, but of course the number of individuals that are experiencing on homelessness, uh, experiencing homelessness or unsheltered homelessness is always changing. Uh, and so the reality is, is that in Minneapolis we provide far more shelter. We provide far more social services than other areas of the state. Not to mention there's a density of population here in the city where there's a a level of community that you might not have if you're living or experiencing homelessness in a very rural area. Uh, And so people come here to get that service. And so the number is consistently fluctuating. At the moment, yes, we have beds available. Yes, there are warm places where people can go. And yes, we offered transportation for those at the encampment so that they could get a bed uh, at one of the shelters. Um, The reality is, is that to do this right, and this is something that Emily Bastian is entirely correct on, we do need to shift the model. Uh, the model, for instance, that they provide at a, at a Vivo is one where 
people have their own space. They can, it's like their own individualized unit in a, in a greater uh, warehouse. Uh, they can shut the door. They can take a breath. They can kind of gather themselves, and that helps people to provide them with a foundation from which they can rise, and they can take the next step and get a job and fight off an addiction. Uh, that's a model that I want to replicate. So if people say the city of Minneapolis needs to devote more money to this in 2023, if you're telling me that you have enough housing, is that incorrect? Is, is money the issue? Well, money is always an issue. I mean, there are people say all the time that, uh, well, this is just not an issue that you can throw money at and it'll get better. I mean, the truth is, yeah, money is definitely helpful because money builds deeply affordable, low-income housing. Uh, money helps us to provide these shelters. And we have been putting in record amounts of money, both to low-income housing and shelter. We've produced upwards of five times, five times the amount of low or even no income, low or no barrier housing on an annual basis that we used to provide. We have put in three to five new shelters over these last couple of years, which is far more than we've ever been able to do in the past. Uh, and since March in 2020, the city and the county have allocated about $200 million to the homeless response. Uh, so, of course, we're going to continue to put up funding for these really important initiatives. Of course, we're going to get this done. I'll tell you where the main sticking point is usually the ongoing funding. So in other words, the city, the county, we can step up and provide a capital investment to, for instance, put up a new shelter. The issue then is to have the long-term funding so that the operations can work, that it can be staffed. I mean, you know, sometimes people say, oh, well, we, of course we can find space for, for, for a new homeless shelter. We can. Space is not the issue. The issue is then to have the, the long-term staffing, the know-how, the experience, and the ongoing funding uh, to ensure that every person that's living or, or at, an, at, a, at a homeless shelter uh, can get the wraparound services that they need to take the next step. The mayor of Minneapolis, Jacob Fry, is with us. Chad Hartman here on CCO. Jacob, when the individuals are living in these encampments, sometimes with their family, and they're offered to stay at a shelter, and they say no, why are they saying no? And is some of it they're concerned about their safety when they go to the shelters? I don't want to speak for anybody who's experiencing homelessness, and I'm sure there's a variety of answers uh, that are provided. I'll give you the main three that I've heard, though. Uh, one, I've heard about a concern for safety, which, by the way, also exists at a homeless encampment. Two, it's an inability to stay with more than one member of your community or immediate family. By the way, we do have quite a bit of shelter uh, for people with families. Uh, the third, and this is definitely the biggest issue, is addiction. It's deep uh, addiction specifically to fentanyl and opioids. Uh, this is endemic throughout our country right now. Um, this is a drug that takes hold of people like nothing we've ever seen before. Um, it's 10, 15, 100 times more potent uh, than some of the other hardcore drugs that we've previously had issues with. Uh, and there is a lot of quick and ready access to fentanyl at these encampments. I mean, once these encampments get to a certain number, uh, I mean, the, the dealers know exactly where to go. They know exactly what to do. So how can they you change are, that? 
well, first, we've got to stop the, the, the dealing of, of so much of the fentanyl. Uh, but second, we can't be giving them these ripe opportunities to take advantage of people, both through drug trafficking, also importantly, human trafficking. I mean, how do you think they're paying for a lot of these yeah, drugs some right. of the time? You know, and it, it, this is not safe, uh, particularly for women. It's not safe, but it's not safe for anybody. It's not safe for the people living at the encampments. It is not safe for the, the neighborhoods that are around these encampments. It's not the right choice. And I've talked to a number of people around the country. That, by the way, these issues are far worse on the West Coast right now uh, in terms of, of encampments. And it's just not the right strategy. Uh, again, if the goal is truly, if we're honest, if we're honest, we're operating in good faith, and the goal is truly to get people into permanent housing. Encampments are not the right route. I know you're short on time. I really appreciate you coming on. Next time we have you on, we'll get to a number of topics outside of just this, but this is also very important. So uh, thank, thanks, as always, for coming on today. You got it, Chad. Thanks so much. The mayor of Minneapolis, Jacob Fry, on homelessness, encampments, safety, and a very relevant topic. Um, I mentioned this before, and we've talked about George Santos multiple times this week and his string of lies, and there's even more information about it today. Jason Whitlock is becoming more and more well-known as a commentator. He's been around for a long time, an athlete himself, sports commentator, uh, someone who for a long time was on the left of center, now is on the right of center. He is saying that George Santos' lies is indicative of something we are missing in society. What is it? And do you agree? That's my pukey tease to keep you on for next segment here on CCO. Good tune here. Like this. George Santos. We don't even know his name, and he emerges late and becomes the winner of Liar of the Year, right? It's a prestigious title. Yeah, he wins the Trump. Trump cannot win it every year. He wins He wins the Trump. Joe Biden also a strong contender to win the Trump with uh, Joe and where he wanders with the truth of time. So Santos lie after lie after lie. He's still there, though. He's still a representative-elect. He's inviting people, by the way, to see his invite. I want you to join me as I join Congress January 3rd, 2022. Yeah. I think that happened already. So Jason Whitlock is on the Tucker Carlson show uh, last night, as he is often this time with uh, Tulsi Gabbard as the uh, host. And Whitlock said he praised her for holding Santos accountable, just like I did the other day. She was very, very good. How Wherever you stand, you might love her. I've got a very good friend of mine, too, actually, who love Gabbard. Like, think she's, she's great, I think, of late. She's she's moved in some areas that I think are a bit bizarre, but I want more centrist, so get that. But here's what Whitlock had to say about uh, Santos and accountability. Politicians do not believe they answer to the higher power. They're a reflect, reflection of American society and culture that has abandoned any fear of God, any respect for God, any respect for our founding principles. This country was based on fear and respect in our rights coming from a higher power, from the most high God, and we just don't have that anymore. Again, Whitlock has made a dramatic change in where he stands on this. He may believe this 100%. He may. He may have just moved because this is what works. 
just like some people don't believe when they move to the left or they believe in it, okay? I get that we have tens of millions of people in our country today, and their core policy is based on their belief in God. By the way, this is the hole where he hits the air, and I was going to tell, tell you about it. <laughs> told you about it earlier. See, let's just see it. I'll pay attention to that instead of you. Yes. And I get it that for a lot of people, their founding core is based on God. But for many other people, it is based on principles they believe in, and it has nothing to do with God. It has nothing to do with religion, or it is a small part of who they are. So I personally don't believe for a single second that our morality in this country and further allowance and just the incredible increase of liars is tied in not attending church on a regular basis or not believing in God— I'm not trying to stop you in any way to believe in what you believe. I want you also to be respectful to others if, if, if they have different views. And we are not a theocracy. What was it? Bo Duke or Lou Duke or whatever it was, who was just basically saying Joe Biden can't be president because he needs to answer to, to God and Jesus Christ every day. No, he doesn't. We're not a theocracy. If he wants to. He can, but that's not the basis of everyone's belief. People have different gods, people of different faiths. So, no, I don't think George Santos's lies are out there and others are out there because we don't have as many people believing in God. I just don't. I don't think you are more of a core, decent person and more accountable and kinder to people because you believe in God, and whereas I'm agnostic. I believe there, there is life after this. I believe there is a God. I just don't know who it is, where it is, and I don't follow one religion. But I do, I hope there's another life after this. That would be great. But because I'm not as religious as some others it doesn't mean I'm more likely to lie. I think I just I've never believed that for one second. Let me go to a, a frequent liar, Dave Harrigan. <laughs> yeah, as you uh, take a look at Tiger here. Um, happy birthday, Tiger! Happy birthday, Tiger! Hey. LeBron James, Sandy Koufax today. It's a big that's, day. That's a good birthday. Big day of birthdays. Yeah. Um, I, I I think I'm pretty much lockstep with you, and the idea that from you hear from so many that. If you are not a religious person, and by that they mean if you are not subscribing to the religion that I believe, yeah, theirs, um, you you you're not fit for a government. You're not fit yep. to represent, and it's it's absurd. It's absurd on its face. I it's I know too. people. You know people that are agnostic, that are atheist, and plenty that are religious that are all wonderful people. Yes, and we all know religious people or atheist or agnostic or whatever that. Eh, not so much. Little shady. You know, they wear we that. We see those examples all correct. the time. They may wear their religion or whatever it is as a, as, a, as a badge of honor. A lot of people get their moral compass 
and their ethics from religion, and that's great. Yes. That is wonderful. But a lot of people don't. A yes. lot of people say, you know what? The God thing, it's not, not for, for me. me. Yeah. It's not for me. But that doesn't <clears throat> preclude me from being an all, being a good person. You know, I can still make the right choice. I can still do things ethically. I can still give to charities. I just don't have to believe in God. No. That's okay. You can be kind to people. You can represent people well and serve in their best interests without believing in God. It is possible to do. And you can have arrogance both ways. Mm-hmm. You can have those who are non-believers who look at those who believe and just can be condescending to them. Yes. Get off your little made-up story. Stop believing in this. And we can see the the same thing the other way. And Whitlock is not quite there with this like others. Like, now we're a country based on one God, one religion. That's, that's who we are. And you want to know why we have uh, this moral and ethical fa- – these moral – And ethical failures, it's tied to this. No. It's tied to politicians that will do anything to get a vote. And and two parties that will do anything to hold on to power. And also humans who fail, who, by the way, aren't that good. And maybe at church every single Sunday or never are a part of it and also fail. And others who are great and religion may play a prominent part or smaller part, but that doesn't determine everything who they are. Linda's time is 157. Time to lower your energy bills by installing new insulation. Do it today. 